0: This is Captivated Minds. I'm Jake. I'm Stan. This is part two on our O.J. Simpson series.
1: So the first uh, first episode we did with this, we uh, we talked about his life. There was a lot of football talk in it. You know I don't speak Spanish. Right. <laughs> so in this episode... We're going to go into the trial, his talk- life a little bit, and then his we're life... We're going to discuss, like... We're going to give our thoughts on it. Yes, towards the end. Towards the end, which... I have many thoughts. There's many thoughts on this whole thing. Uh, who knows? I-, I might lean you one way toward the
0: other as we get closer. Cool. So for these two episodes, we've been uh, talking about one of the most famous killers of our time. So, well, he
1: could be famous. Yeah. Well, I mean, can we technically call him a killer? He was technically acquitted. Okay, well, he did kill his own career. Is there a difference? In- if- <laughs> Nice, <laughs> nice.
0: That was fast. I had to think on my feet.
1: If, if you're acquitted, is there a difference between being acquitted and being found innocent?
0: Yes, I believe so. Yes. So, you're not guilty. You're not guilty, but, but you're
1: not innocent. So pretty much, hey, we, it's like a
0: mistrial. I would say it's like a mistrial. Yeah.
1: Okay. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I, right? I would
0: say it's like a mistrial. That's the best so way to kind of describe why, it. That's why,
1: you know, me and you talked about double jeopardy. Because you can't, you can't get charged and I, for the same. So I think that's why he hasn't just come out and said... I did it. I did it, because technically he could still be charged. That's right. Because he was just acquitted, because there wasn't enough evidence to prove otherwise.
0: Well, and we'll get into some other right. stuff, too. Yeah. So from one point of view, it would seem um, that the Bronco chase is a big deal. And we're going to talk about the Bronco Bronco Chase in a little bit. The Ford Motor Company would get free press from this incident. But as we continue the story, it would appear that the Ford would distance themselves from the Bronco for many years. So we're going to bounce around a little bit on this one
1: all over the place. But it all comes together. But what's funny is, right, like the Bronco was popular. It was like it was a popular truck back in the day. And then this happened. And it was popular even more. Everyone wanted a Bronco because they just saw this slow chase. But once the trial happened, all of a sudden now it's like Ford's sitting there going, oh, my God. Do we want to be tied up with this? Yeah. So they stopped making the fucking trucks. Yeah, I'll talk about
0: it One second, Like. The classic Bronco was made from 65 to 77, in 77 another version has introduced the model. This model went from 77 to 96. Keep that 96 in mind. There were two types of Broncos that were made, the SUV and the compact. With the first iteration of the Bronco, it was designed to be a competitor for the Jeep. It was also supposed to compete up against the Scout and the Toyota Land Cruiser. Car companies saw a peak in demand so they jumped at it to make sales during this time. Like many things as time went by improvements became more and more relevant and so improvements were needed with the Bronco. Every time Ford made improvements they wanted to fix mistakes from previous iterations. On June seventeenth, 1994 the Ford Bronco would live on as being one of the f- most famous vehicles. This Make and model would be famous for not something that would be typical. A white Ford Bronco holding O.J. Simpson went to be, would become the downfall of the Bronco for years. <laughs> to put this into a little context, growing up in the 1990s, car chases were a big deal, which we can talk about. Uh, to see a car chase on television was often a huge event. People would stop whatever they were doing to watch a live car chase. I can attest to watching a, many, a lot of car chases in my years. Often an idiot driver was at the at the wheel of a very fast car or going at a very fast speed trying to be caught by the police. These drivers would drive faster than the speed limit as they tried to evade capture by any means necessary. These drivers would swerve through the traffic. Oftentimes they would endanger
1: all the cars around them and any basically pedestrians or any human life around them. Anyone who has not grown up in the 90s, I don't think, realize the popularity of, of a car, chase. car chases because it was a like, thing. There were multiple shows about dedicated to extreme police car chases or world's dumbest criminals or. You know, you could go on and on and on, and they were they were always on like MTV, true crime TV, or the news. Actually, the, 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 the new, news, right? If the they news had to too, live chase, though. The news too, which was cool. Like if you saw it on the news, you were like, "Yeah, it's happening now." But then if you needed your fix, it's like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go to TLC and watch some like car chases." Car chases. Chases were so popular that a fair amount
0: of news helicopters would track the chase from above. All of the major car chases I've personally seen ended up with the police catching these individuals because these people would often make a mistake. This one mistake would cause them to think irrationally, create more fear, thus they would make more and more mistakes. Common mistakes would include driving with tires blown out, driving in traffic jams, driving in a populated area, driving over car spikes, and driving in a populated area where people are walking. These types of chases could last an hour or they could last a couple of hours. It all depended on the driver and how fast they wanted to be caught by the police. It would also depend on the
1: police and when the police would arrive at the scene to take this car down. They were always cool. Like, you always saw that cop on the side of the road with a whole thing of, like, spikes. And all of a sudden, Whew! throws it out there. But, yeah, you, you're absolutely you just... right. These These guys would go... Oh, I don't care if I have four blown tires, I can I'm keep going. going. And you can just see the
0: sparks coming <laughs> off the rims and they're just flying down
1: the street. Or how streets. many cars we saw catch fire because the rims are just heating up, burning.
0: Police would rush the driver as soon as they could get to the get the chance. Once the car was stopped or forced to stop, it would only be a matter of time before the chase was over. It was like like seeing, you know, a car wreck. You know something is about to happen. Police would often charge the car by foot, surround the car with police cars, lock them into a particular position. Um, They would surround the perp with guns armed, obviously, until there was some sort of uh,
1: compliance from the individual. Now, I do like... Now, I understand this. Some individuals are... You could get charged with, like, a deadly weapon because you're using a car as a deadly weapon if you're driving through heavy areas of people and stuff like that. So I get their force when they do take Stupid someone, stuff. Yeah. right? But I always loved when the the thief or whoever would roll the car 12 times and then the cops grab him by the arm and just like yank full, him out, yank him right out. It's yeah. like, dude, give him a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Now that we know the popularity and craziness
0: of a police chase, we can dive back into this case. We also covered a bit of information about the Ford Bronco and how it connects to this case. The case itself is not very long, so towards the end of the episode, we'll be diving into the trial. The trial of this case is also famous, and we'll talk about that in a minute here. If you've been listening to our first part of the series, you'll know what the case is kind of about. But we'll kind of go over it a little bit. If you're listening to this episode, then get uh, get prepared because the juice is on the loose. <laughs> O.J. Simpson was a football star. We're gonna have a little bit of a crossover uh, from the first episode, but just to catch up, O.J. was a football star and a famous actor. In '73, he was in the NFL. He was the NFL's most valuable player. And our, our previous episode, we talked about his full life and his full career. O.J. Simpson was married to Nicole Brown on February 2nd, 1985. He had retired from professional football during that 1980 year. Simpson and Brown had two children during the course of their marriage. Their children are Sydney and Justin. The, this marriage was short-lived and only lasted seven years. Within 1989, Simpson pleads no contest to spousal abuse. Nicole Brown files for divorce February 25, 1992. In 1993, Simpson and Brown tried to reconnect one last time, but it seems like it was adding gasoline to a fire.
1: Now, it's... Like we said in our first the first episode, he was married once before to his first wife. But it, it almost seemed like because how popular he became, you know, if you look at football players' lives, right... When they have a girlfriend or fiance, that is the girl they've been with either from high school or through college, and that's the girl they stay with. Some of them, actually most, but it's when they cross over to the celebrity line life that's when they upgrade. Right? That's when it's it's they're walking the red carpets and stuff like that, and it's it's almost like this. Oh, I I give a shit about what these people think of me. It's an ego thing, right? So it's. I need to ditch my plain Jane wife. I know how crappy that sounds, but that's how I've seen most of these celebrities. What how they do it? So they have they they want someone like at the time, at this time, eighties and nineties. The most popular thing was tall blinds with big boobs. It's what it is. Yeah. If you look at every single celebrity male on their arm was a, either a celebrity woman or maybe an athlete or whatever who was tall and blonde. And if they weren't blonde, they dyed their hair blonde. That's how it was. So he, he, it was one of those things where Nicole, his wife, his first wife was beautiful. She was gorgeous. Yeah, you did show uh, pictures and last And I have time. pictures on our Instagram of his first wife. She she was a gorgeous woman. Yeah. But he wanted this hot blonde to be on his arm, walking red carpet when they did things. But I also think that football may have done something to this guy. Maybe he got rattled too much, maybe. Or maybe he was on steroids and never told anyone. He was also a celebrity too. Right. So that could but, have gone to his I head. But I mean a with like too. the spousal abuse and stuff, like if I remember correctly, his first wife didn't say anything about spousal no, abuse. No, I don't remember you talking about that at all. I don't remember ever reading about it. It was with Nicole is when all of a sudden the spousal abuse something happens. something started. So there was something between the end of his first marriage and the, near the end of this marriage is when something got a little screwed up. Yeah,
0: From what we can tell, their marriage went from uh, one of love to one of hostility very quickly. What we can look at is the decline in fame as one major factor of, in the abuse of Nicole Brown. All abuse towards anyone in any form is a bad thing. We are just giving context to his mental state at this time. 1989, we can clearly see that their relationship is no longer working like it once was. Any and all forms of abuse can clearly be blamed on Simpson, knowing what we know now. 1992, Brown files for divorce due to Simpson's ongoing abuse. At this point in their relationship, it is clearly over, and that did not sit well with Simpson. Their history, plus the, their abuse and mental instability, would be be their three major factors in this case going forward. 1993, they both try to reconnect, but things do not work out. Either she became sick of his unwillingness to change, or he became jealous of her dating, or it's a combination of both. Both of these factors showcase how they were on very different wavelengths at this time as a
1: couple. See, I wanna, I wanna say it had to be, it had to be both. I don't think he wanted a change. No, I don't think so either. But it's also there's, they were separated. That's right? right. So with them being separated, that technically that gave her the okay to date. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. If but you're, they're not if fully you're, divorced. Yet. If you are not fully divorced, but you're separated and you're about ready to get divorced, that's a hope that, you're not it's dating. Not, you're not, it's dating. not cheating or anything. She's. You know, trying to get back out there. That's, that's right. what it is. But I could see that that's building his jealousy. And that jealousy could maybe, spark something. Right. Maybe he came across the picture. Letter. Or, or a letter or something. from, from or something. Yeah, yeah. From another guy and go, what is this? Or saw
0: her with another guy.
1: Yeah. June 12th, 1994,
0: 6.30 p.m., Brown goes to her daughter's dance recital. Afterwards, she meets up with some friends for dinner at the Miss Luna located within Brentwood. She is also visiting a Ron Goldman who works at the restaurant. Goldman offers a ride to Brown to drop her off at her house. 10.40 to 10.45 p.m., Brian Cato Kalin, who is at this point a house guest of Simpson, hears a thumping noise on an adjacent wall. He goes outside to locate the cause of the noise, but doesn't see anything. To note, Brown's home is only located a couple miles from this guest house. 10.50 to 10.55 p.m. A nearby neighbor witnesses Brown, Brown's white at- atika alone with bloodstains on its paws. 11 p.m. A limo driver who has been waiting since 10.25 p.m. watches Simpson leave his house. The driver brings Simpson to LAX for a Chicago flight. 10.45 p.m., Simpson flies off on his Chicago flight.
1: Coincidence? Maybe. Maybe. June
0: thirteenth, nineteen 1994, 12.10 a.m., Brown's dog leads the neighbors to the deceased's body of Goldman and Brown. Both of these Bodies were located at the gate. 4:15 a.m. Simpson checks into his hotel in Chicago. 4:30 a.m. Police arrive at the home of Simpson to inform him of Brown's murder. To their surprise, Simpson is not there. They but they do manage to find his white Ford Bronco, locate, laced in blood, and a bloody glove that matches a bloody glove found at the crime scene at 10:45 a.m. police obtain a warrant to search the property of Simpson. This also includes the white Ford
1: Bronco. Yeah, cuz once you once you have a warrant, you don't actually need the person.
0: No. Cuz no. you have that It's been signed by a judge. Yep. You have uh, some sort of evidence. So it there. doesn't
1: matter if you're there at your home or not. They can go ahead and go in as long as they have the right authorities, the That's right, right paperwork. 12
0: uh, p.m. Simpson returns to LA from his trip within Chicago. Simpson arrives home and is arrested on the spot. He is cuffed and brought in for questioning. June 15, 1994, Robert Shapiro becomes the attorney for Simpson. June 16th, two separate funerals are held for Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown. O.J. Simpson and his two children are in attendance for Brown's funeral.
1: How awkward would that be? That's real. That's a little, you know I saw the mean? photos and so it's, it's like it's, it's screwed up. So here's the thing. Like, I understand that's a tough to, situation. To me, it's if you're being accused, right, if the accusations are there, I don't think you should be there. No. Now, I I, 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 I agree now, with you. Y- I agree. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, OK, let's say, let's say he's innocent. Right? His ex wife was murdered. And he wants to be there for his kids. I get that. All right? Your ex wife is in the ground. That's your kid's mother. You want to show support. But to me, it's bad taste. If I you. Are, it's- yes, it's bad taste because, like, if it was me, if I was in his shoes, I'm being blamed for it. Hey, sorry, kids. I can't be there. But I can't go. That would be my thing.
0: The cops are also watching him, so think it's... about it. Think about it, though. If he goes, he might get more sympathy from someone, or just think. Yes. Think, think about that. Yeah,
1: but to me, it's just really bad taste.
0: It <clears throat> is just very going. bad taste. Yeah,
1: like because the entire family, the entire family is looking at you, going, "I, you did this." Yeah. Should we even trust you with the kids? Right. Like, uh, that's mind blowing. At this point,
0: police have been watching Simpson like a hawk. The media would have also caught wind of this, too, making the funeral of Nicole Brown a giant spectacle, which I don't think it should have been. You're, you're trying to pay respect to someone. Just let yeah, them go. It, let them well, go in peace. You, okay, can, you can have so a spectacle at the guy's house. That's one thing. I, but
1: think, I think what we do as a society is we also push this – like we don't have respect for anything. You know what I mean? So, to... Look at what happened when Kobe died. Yeah, that right? was bad. That was the, bad. All the focus was on Kobe and his daughter because of their celebrity status. But, but she wasn't really that famous, though. No, they, but they, it's the daughter of Kobe right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one talked about the other families that were in that helicopter for weeks. Yeah. Weeks and weeks and weeks. And the whole outcry was, oh, because my... My daughter, or my wife, was in the plane with Kobe. Her life doesn't matter because Kobe was ahead. Yeah. So that's what it is. It's like we're we're putting this spectacle on Nicole Brown because she, she was in the limelight. She was this celebrity, but it's like the families need time for mourning. That's right. So like they don't want they don't, probably don't want paparazzi or cameras in their face. No, Not on that and, day anyway. And that's what they were doing. Yeah. Like it, this was covered. From day one. As soon as the murder happened, until after the trial, even years after the trial, it was covered. And to me, there's a lot of things that they did, they probably should have just left alone. Yeah. All eyes are now on Simpson,
0: even at this funeral. From what we do know so far, this case should have been a cakewalk for the police. According to the evidence that was found, the police had this in the bag. On June 17, 1994, Simpson is charged by police for the murder of Goldman and Brown. He tells police that he will willingly come in, but changes his mind at the last minute. Simpson flees from police with Al Al Cowlings, who is driving the the Ford Bronco. Simpson is sitting in the back seat. At some point, the white Ford Bronco is seen driving on the freeway by a... uh, A helicopter, a news helicopter. The juice is loose. Fans line up along the highway to cheer on Simpson during this escape from the police. Things have now escalated out of hand. News and police helicopters now have an eye on the Bronco as millions and millions of people watch this famous car chase. The chase goes on for 60 miles. The Bronco gets back to the Simpson home, and once the vehicle is at a full stop, Simpson is arrested on the spot.
1: How did he get back the Bronco? Because if they searched his house in the Bronco when he was in Chicago, shouldn't technically the Bronco be impounded? Because they found blood in a glove? You would think so, but what... So, hold that thought until we get to the... Because I... Because
0: that's just weird that... Unless it got washed. Here's your, here's your keys. Unless it got washed. Yeah. And they, they uh, oh no, the evidence is gone. Which
1: happens. Happens. I know this one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. From all the details we just talked about, we do have to unpack some of it to get to the trial. Here's what we do know so far for fact. The last time Brown and Goldman were seen alive was at the restaurant. Goldman brings Brown home. We do not know what happens from their perspective once they are home. Later that night, uh, Kale, uh, Brian Kalen hears a thump coming from outside where he was staying. What well, we do know that this is a loud thump, loud enough to be heard through a wall. This tells us that the thump had to have some sort of force behind it. A dog is found in bloody paw prints, paw prints at the home of a neighbor. Since the Simpson house and Brown house are so close by, they, this would have given Simpson motive, means, and opportunity. Another key factor to look at would be the glo- bloody glove that is found at the scene of the crime and at Simpson's residence. If we also uh, use the wi- uh, witness the, li- the, the limo driver, we can also see that Simpson fled from his home right after
1: the events had taken place. See, the other thing is the dog, right? Yeah. The It would make it easier for someone who knows the victim to get in. Because if you know the victim, then you know the dog. It's the not, dog's used to you. It's not going to bark. It's not going to bark. It's not going to cause noise. You could get in and out with no trouble. Where if it was a stranger, and a stranger comes in, there's barking... Maybe they're able to get out of the house or maybe put up a bigger fight or stuff like that because they don't trust the person. The dog is
0: a key factor, yeah. Right. There are two more key factors we have to look at. These two key factors are big ones. Now, let's think about this quickly. If an individual is innocent and they have done nothing wrong and committed no crime, they would not run from the police. If an individual is 100% innocent, then the person would have nothing to hide. This means a clear and coherent alibi, no evidence pertaining to the individual at the scene. This would also mean that no in, uh, no motivation to kill or harm. Police may tr- may try to uncover a motivation. If you are innocent, then there is nothing. To, if you're innocent, then there is nothing to hide. O.J. Simpson flees the scene of the crime. Uh, the night of his flight, he was on the flight while the bodies were being discovered. He also flees the police a second time. You do not flee the police if there is nothing against you.
1: Yeah. yeah, see that it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't because if you're innocent, you're not running. Then, then you're fine. That's right. Like okay, you guys are blaming me for this, but I didn't do it. Okay, yeah, I, I know you're gonna try to get motive. You're gonna try right. to get
0: something to get me, you know, involved with this. But if yep. I'm hundred percent innocent, then I know for a fact that I didn't do it but he flees twice. Not just once. Twice. Twice. So that should say something. There's also a vast number of details that support the case against Simpson. It was a night that would live on in infamy. After the media spectacle that was the car chase, Simpson was in yet another predicament. He was now facing charges as a fugitive as well as charges for double murder. It would also seem like this once famous star had fallen and had fallen hard. Besides these two horrible acts, he would also, be put, he also put the Bronco out of commission. Whenever someone says Bronco now, they typically associate it with the famous Simpson car chase. Simpson had now become a different kind of famous. His fame early in his career was associated with a positive thing, but now he's famous for only committing horrible acts this would lead to a whole his whole career changing and his personal perception changing from
1: the, uh, changing from the public yeah you think ford could sue for defamation of character Yeah, probably you know what i mean cuz you, you, you gave you, you lost the millions of dollars right, you gave the ford bronco a bad name yeah and there's nothing wrong with it it was just because you drove, you drove th- it that's right see that's yeah Def- if i was ford
0: i'd find a way
1: around that oh yeah
0: July twenty second, 1994. Simpson pleads not guilty. Simpson also gets his mugshot taken, and he does not look happy. At this time, he also states that he is not guilty. During this time, a judge is also assigned to the case. Things on the stage are starting to heat up. September 9, 1994. <clears throat> 1994, the prosecution in this case makes it very clear they do not want the death penalty. They do. They make the choice that they are going to pursue life without parole.
1: Which is weird because this is in California, right? That's right. The death penalty. Ah, the is, death still, penalty still is still a thing, a thing. in California. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Because I want to say they were the f- one of the first to actually abolish it.
0: No, they still use. I'm sure in extreme cases they still still do it. I would say so. Yeah. November 3rd, 1994, the members of the jury are selected for this case. January 11th, 1995, the jury of this
1: case is brought together. I wonder how hard that was. Because to pick a jury, the jury has to have no information. No biases either. Right, about the case. But because this is, was a nationwide thing, you would think it would be extremely hard Oh, well, we got Aunt Pat from down the street. She has no TV and doesn't read newspaper, so Perfect. she's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: While we are starting to know that this trial is large, there are large gaps of time between each milestone. This could have been very deliberate, or it could have just taken a long time to get things moving. The framework is now set uh, to, for this case to move at a faster rate. Between uh, January 15th and 16th, 1995, both of Simpson's lawyers stopped speaking to one another. One lawyer states he is no longer on speaking terms with the other lawyer in the case. We're talking about Simpson's defense at at this point. January 18th, 1995, Johnny Cochran becomes Simpson's defense lawyer. Cochran was a lawyer that would deal primarily with high-profile police brutality cases. Besides having Simpson as a client, he also had Michael Jackson as a client. He would often take cases that would depict questionable acts against African Americans done by the police. This judge, uh, the judge also allows the jury to hear the, uh, from about previous abuses from Simpson to Brown. January 24, 1995, the prosecution team begins with their opening statements. From their statement, it is made clear that Simpson killed uh, Brown out of rage and jealousy. January 25, 1995, Cochran and the defense team make their opening statement. From their point of view, it was about the police wanting a win and moving in because they f- had a rush in judgment. Both opening statements cannot be true. One statement is clearly telling the truth, while one is using a distractic as a ta- uh, as a form of tactic. While one statement explores motive, the other exploits the police. So you can see what they're trying to do. January twenty seventh, nineteen ninety five, O.J. Simpson has a book released. Of February. He does. <laughs> February 3rd, 1995, Simpson's sister-in-law takes the stand. Denise Brown testifies in court from her statement. She tells the court that Simpson was very abusive towards his ex-wife. So now they're trying to paint his character a little bit of, okay, this wasn't a one-time thing. He's been doing this for years.
1: Right, and that's the whole thing about all the witnesses and stuff. You're establishing the character. You're... you're Trying to give the jury all the information they need to come to a conclusion whether he did it or not. That's right. February
0: 12th, the jury visits the Simpsons' house as well as the Brown house. Brown's house is now labeled a crime scene. I didn't know they did that. I didn't know they did that either. That's crazy. This is, yeah. So... What seems a little odd would be the fact that the jury visits these two locations. I've never heard of that, and we've done a, a few cases on murders and trials and things right. like that, but never heard this. It would seem like it would have been easier to have photos taken and move the trial along what? faster. Take photos of the crime scenes instead of could bringing... You,
1: all right, could you imagine? What, like, if, what if the jury tampered with something? Like, I was a juror. Yeah. And I I don't know. I think I'd be excited if I walked in one day and they're like, Hey, we're going on a field trip. <gasps> Where? To the murder scene? Like Okay, I know how creepy that sounds, but Yeah, it does. Sound I'd be like, like that that'd be kinda cool. But what if you accidentally like stepped in blood and Oh, that, could he, you imagine and then like now it's implicated that you did, did it? it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, this is not me. He did it. There's blood on his shoes. Or what if they saw didn't see evidence that was supposed to be there? Like what Right. Like what do you do? I would say right. photos. The police should photos would make been more better. sense. You'd want everyone and anyone out of the out of the Location. crime scene as That's much right. as possible. Not invite more bodies. No.
0: March twelfth, uh, March twenty first, nineteen ninety five. Cato Kalen takes the stand for the second time. His testimony is given this time, but it is in front of a jury. He states that hours before the murder, uh, he states that. Hours before the murder, Simpson was with Kalen. Drug dealer? I think it's his drug dealer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. April fourth, nineteen ninety five. A criminologist named Dennis Fung states that proper protocols, in this case, were not done correctly. Things at the crime scene were not done at a proper in a proper manner,
1: and that and that's like the narrative throughout this entire trial. It. It was a very lack in proper police work. They want it done
0: fast, not right, not necessarily right. Because
1: the whole thing is like I I could see it. Their mindset is, "Oh, this is a done deal. Like we got he, him, we got him. So we don't have to take our time with this because we it it's done deal. He did it." When, in fact, you needed to take your time with it in order to actually put that extra nail in the coffin. That's right. When the police come forward
0: and make a clear statement like this, the defense team eats it up like it's a piece of cake. Any and all wrongdoings done by the police puts this entire case into question. And then the spiral. The downhill spiral begins. May 10th, 1995. DNA evidence is presented From this testimony, we are able to discover that 170 million people share the same genetic code similar to Simpson. That's weird. That is weird. A drop of blood was found at the crime scene matching the killer.
1: So pretty much what they're stating is, hey, look, this blood spot matches Simpson, but it also matches 170 million people. That's right. That's what they're. That's what they're kind of getting at. Like, oh well, it matches him. It matches all these people too.
0: Yeah. June fifteenth, nineteen ninety five. Simpson tries on the leather gloves from the crime scene, and he states they are too tight. Her, from a photo of him wearing the gloves, they do not to be appear to be tight at all. What is kind of funny though is that within this photo, we can see a bailiff looking over at Simpson, like, "Yeah, those gloves fit just fine." And it's from the bailiff's reaction. That's what makes the photos good. Not him wearing the glove, but from everyone's reaction nearby. August 29th, 1995. Tapes are released with Mark Furman making countless racial slurs and bragging uh, about his use of police brutality. Mark Furman was one of the lead
1: detectives on the Brown Simpson case. See, and that destroys his character. Mm-hmm. That, that right there will now make it seem like he's a bad cop and that he's just trying to throw anyone under the bus.
0: Or cover his own ass. Right. At first, he denies stating those statements. But once the tapes of him making the statements come out, he has no choice but to uh, to plead the fifth. So now any and all testimony is put into question over racial profiling.
1: Yeah, that's the whole thing. The whole thing is, oh, you're only blaming O.J. because he's a black male. Like, he's a, he's a black man, so you're that's what it is. Yeah.
0: The defense team uses his behavior as a way to have him removed from the case. Furman was... Uh, most likely to commit perjury, he could not be used as a credible witness during the trial. September 28, 1995. The defense team gives its closing statements. The famous line is also spoken by Cochrane. If the glove does not fit, you, must, you acquit. must acquit.
1: October 3,
0: 1995. Simpson is found not guilty. The jury only deliberates for two hours, which is not a long, a to- not no. a lot of time at all. They offer
1: him being not guilty.
0: Simpson is now a free man and will not face any charges over the double murder.
1: So he was found not not guilty. So if he wanted to come out and say he did it, he can't. He can't be. That's right. Arrested again.
0: The trial was immediate frenzy, and the fact it lasted so long only added to the madness. When cops admit to wrongdoings, that's when things do not uh, look right. All the evidence brought forward uh, by the police is put into question. So now everything that the police have been doing in this part of L.A. is now uh, probably under a microscope. And they're all being watched like hawks by D.A. or all these other people, internal affairs.
1: Internal affairs probably went through this entire precinct and ripped it right apart. And there's probably a lot of cops that lost their jobs and stuff because it, it was, hey, look, you guys dropped the ball big time on this.
0: Yeah. With all those details from the murder and the trial, this is very tough to believe that Simpson did not do it. There are a number of mistakes made up by the police, and those mistakes would cost the police the trial. All of the testimony and evidence clearly paints a picture of a jealous ex-husband who did something because his ex-wife had moved on. Simpson was now clearly famous once again, but this time it would be for getting away with murder and cold blood. At this point in the episode, we will begin to slowly wrap things up. Simpson was not found guilty of the double murder. He was sued by the victim's families for wrongful death. The civil rights trial takes place in 1996 and only lasts four months. Later, that jury would find him guilty. He was charged with wrongful death of Goldman and Brown, and he's forced to give up $33 million in damages to both families. It would also appear that the first trial did not end how people thought it would have. The second trial is a way of fixing the mistake of the first one. While a person cannot be charged with the same crime twice, they can be charged with a different crime. Paying out that much cash must have been a serious blow to his ego and to his wallet.
1: Yeah, because he ended up having to sell, like, almost everything in his life. Like, all of his memorabilia, everything from games, signed stuff, you name it. I think he had to put his house up for sale. That's a lot of money. Like, he had to give everything away, which, good.
0: While that does sound like a, uh, the, okay, so here you go. The juice is on loose once again. While that does sound like a children's book, it is a real statement. This case in this trial has become so popular over the years that they made it into an FX TV show. Simpson clearly did something on that night, but what he did, we do not know. It would appear that karma would intervene in his life after the trial, and down the road he would get something coming to him. Even if you are named the Jew, sometimes life still wants to give you a good squeeze. Simpson is now on social media, and with all of these posts, it is clear, clear, without actually saying it, he murdered Brown and Goldman. And it feels, he, it looks like he feels no remorse for his actions, even now. What do you think? I think he did it. From what we just went over, from the trial, I think the police fucked up, obviously. Yep. I think them making racial statements didn't help the case at all. But I also think that he, he did something.
1: So there is a conspiracy that he was actually covering up for his son, his oldest, from his first marriage. Now, what, it, what they said was his oldest hated, hated Nicole, mostly because he thinks that she's the one that broke up his dad's marriage. So there's a lot of resentment. And what it was is his son did the murder. And called his dad and said, I did this. What do I do? And it was his dad trying to cover everything up. Leaving evidence behind and things got screwed up. And the reason why the DNA may have matched was because it was his son.
0: Think about this. So if the houses are pretty close together. And the limo driver was there the whole time. He didn't use his truck. Right. The, the Bronco was still at the place. The pl- Bronco was still, still there. Exactly. So, hypothetically, this is what might have happened. He was at Brown's her <clears throat> house. He commits the act. Comes home. S- drops some blood or something falls off of the blood onto the Bronco. Cleans himself up fast. Is late for the limo driver. Then flees. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, see, yeah, that's the other thing. The other thing is that he did do it. I believe he did. I really. Do. I think he did something. I really do. I really do think he did it. Yeah. But I just thought it was kind of neat that the conspiracy theory now is that his oldest did it. Yeah, and I- that he was trying to, he was trying to make it look like he did. That way, his son wouldn't go to jail for it. Which makes him good, look like a good guy, though, too. Right. It does. But the thing is, like, I don't want him to make it look like he's, he's a good guy. guy. I think he's... he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Because honestly, nowadays, with, with all of the different shit he posts or the different interviews he's had or, or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah.
0: There's a recent quote. We both thought, I, or I even showed this to you. He uh, he doesn't want to go back to L.A. because he's afraid that he's going to just sit down
1: next to the killer that killed Brown and Goldman. Yeah. He's afraid that he, like the killer that killed Brown and Goldman and Goldman is going to come after him. Like that's, and to me, come on, to me, that's a douchey thing. Come on. Right.
0: Because here's the thing. That's it, a roundabout way of saying, oh, I didn't do it. Wink, wink, but
1: I did it. Because uh-uh. for him to be found guilty of wrongful death. That's my thing. It's because he couldn't get charged with murder because right. he fucked up. That's right. But there was enough evidence to sit there and suggest that it was wrongful death. That's why he had to pay the money. If he was to me, if he was found innocent in both, that's one thing. That's one thing and okay, look, if they if they find you innocent in both, all right, you didn't do it. But they found him guilty of wrongful death, so he did something. That's right. He had to pay money to the families. Civil
0: lawsuits. So that's even right. worse. So it looked like Carmo was like, oh, okay, you got away with this
1: one. You ain't getting away with it twice. And 33 mil. So that's... That's w- in the 90s. So I, I would right. say with inflation, what do you say, 80 million? Uh, no, it wouldn't be that much. 50? Yeah, it'd be close to 50. 50 think. million yeah. now? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. But that's why he was arrested in the early 2000s for robbery and kidnapping. Because he was trying to get all of his shit back, because he because he sold his Heisman Trophy, which Heisman Trophy is a big thing in college, right? So the best of the best gets a Heisman Trophy. He had one. He had to sell it. A bunch of his signed stuff. A bunch of his his signed stuff. Um, he tried getting all that back, and what he did was he lured a guy or people who had all this memorabilia to like a hotel. And, like, kept him locked up in the hotel and, like, demanded that he give back his stuff. So, eventually, like, he left and left the stuff. But because the guy called the cops and said, hey, he held me in my room for this long and tried stealing my shit. He was charged with kidnapping. Yeah. And robbery. And then he was in jail. And while he was in jail, he wrote that. If I did a book. If I did a book. Which I've skimmed through. And it's. It is, it, to me, it's a confession. Really, I haven't, see, I haven't read the book. To me, it, because it, it goes into, like, if I did, this is how I would have done it. I would have done it this way. Like, you do, no, if you're innocent, you're talking about your ex-wife. Someone that you did love. At one point. At one point. It is your children's mother. And you're going to be putting on a book saying, hey, if I killed her, because that's pretty much what it is. If I killed her, this is how I would have killed her is it a fiction or a nonfiction book the way the way it is written it's written as fiction mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. like the way it's, it's worded it's worded yeah, yeah. into language it's fiction but to me no it's like an open letter to like hey i did it he changed a few things like oh i would have done this and i would have done that but it's like why even write the book
0: now, do you think he was on drugs at the time? And that could have been a motivation for him? To, for, or, right. like you said, he was, we, he was a big football player. Do you think there was a potential injury that caused like a snap of some kind? Added, add to the drugs and add to the stress, you get a I think when killer?
1: he, so near the end of his career, he had a knee injury, right? When he was playing with Buffalo. And then he got traded to San Francisco. He was able to play a year. But I'm thinking because he had the knee injury that he was probably on some sort of steroid. Because steroids back in the 90s and back in the early 2000s were big things. Now they, they like drug test you constantly for that stuff. But steroids do stuff to your mind mentally. There There are tons and tons and tons of reports and everything out there about athletes who take steroids and then... Beat their wives, or end up killing their children, or you name it. Right? They're just overly aggressive. Right, because that's what this thing does. It messes with your mind. So let's say, let's say he has some sort of swelling on the brain, like a concussion, right? That messes with your brain, and then you throw steroids on top of it. Maybe that's why he turned so angry, and maybe that's why the abuse started happening, and then maybe that's why. You know, like, little things would set him off. And then there's the jealousy.
0: Which, again, is something messing with your mind. Okay, she's cheating. Okay, what's she doing now? Who's she with? Like, all these little things could add up and compound into him being what we just went
1: through in the trial case. And even people that have met OJ... Like the first couple times, I mean, Dave Chappelle says it. The I best. was, I, I see, love. See, his... I, I was. If you, get, if our listeners get a chance, look up Dave
0: Chappelle on YouTube and his reaction with OJ Simpson. It was the three different times yep. he met OJ Simpson, and then
1: he's like, "The last time I met, I saw OJ. I was like, that guy did it. That's right. And honestly, like, I remember this when I was just a little kid. I see. I don't remember this very much. Because my mom watched this religiously. It was nonstop. The trial was on every single day. Or every other day. However they did it, right? And she watched it constantly. Constantly. And then when it came out that he was not guilty. Everyone was in an uproar. Because they were like, what are you doing? He is guilty. He's guilty, but the police screwed up. That's what it is. Because they didn't want to do their job. Correctly. They just wanted it done and over with. They thought it was a for sure thing. Cut and
0: dry case. Yep. Hey, we've got blood, we've got motive, we've got means, we've got opportunity, we've got the weapon, we've got the escape vehicle, we've got everything sealed in a pretty bow. Here you go, yep. Judge. So
1: there's nothing we have to do about yeah. it. Like there's nothing else we need to do. Yeah. When they should have like covered their own asses. That's what right. they should have done. But that's all I've got for uh O J Simpson part two. Yeah, so hopefully you guys enjoyed. If you want to follow us on Facebook, it's Captivated Minds. Instagram's at Minds Captivated. Email us at CaptivatedMinds2 at gmail.com. We have a P.O. Box and our Instagrams are listed in the show notes.
0: Wherever you listen to us, please uh, remember to turn on your notifications so you get updated when we drop new episodes. And if you also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so thank you all for listening. Thank you.